0: Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, August 17th. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced on Sunday that she is calling the House back early from its summer recess to vote on legislation this weekend that would block changes to Postal Service operations, And the House Oversight Committee has scheduled an emergency hearing for next Monday on mail delays and concerns about potential White House interference in the Postal Service. They've invited Postmaster General Louis DeJoy and Postal Service's Board of Governors Chairman Robert Duncan to testify at that hearing. The growing public outcry has led to a number of Republican lawmakers facing tough re-election fights, especially in rural states, distancing themselves from President Trump's frontal assault on the popular system. For example, on Sunday, Senator Steve Daines, the Republican from Montana, wrote a letter pleading with the administration to reverse the policy changes that have slowed down the mail for his constituents, citing the heavy reliance of small businesses, veterans, and seniors on the mail. Many of his elderly constituents, for example, depend on the mail to get prescriptions, and they've already begun to experience problems getting critically needed medicine. And Senator Mitt Romney, the Utah Republican who voted to remove Trump from office for abuse of power, said this weekend that it's clear the president does not want people to vote by mail because polls show that those who want to vote by mail prefer Joe Biden and people who tend to want to vote in person prefer President Trump. Romney said it's, quote, a purely political calculation. Tens of thousands of voters have been calling government offices in recent days to ask whether it's still safe to mail their ballots. Attorneys general from at least six states had conference calls all weekend to discuss possible lawsuits against the administration to block it from reducing mail service between now and the election. State leaders are scrambling to see whether they can change rules to give voters more options. Democrats are planning a massive public education campaign to shore up trust in the vote and the Postal Service. More than 180 million Americans are now eligible to vote by mail in the fall after many states relaxed their rules. States that have embraced universal mail voting have documented tiny rates of ballot fraud, despite the president's claims to the contrary. Voting advocates and Democrats accuse the president of intentionally sowing chaos and confusion, just as election offices are starting to accept requests for mail ballots. They call it a blatant attempt at voter suppression. In an appearance Sunday on CNN's State of the Union, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows appeared to back off Trump's veto threats from last week saying the president is open to signing legislation that would ensure adequate postal funding to manage the surge of mail ballots this fall. Meadows also pledged that no more postal sorting machines will be taken off the line between now and November 3rd, insisting that the previous removals in recent weeks, which postal employees have been warning about, were part of a plan that predated the Trump administration. But in that same interview, Meadows emphasized the president's concerns about ballot fraud, even though he was unable to point to evidence of widespread fraud. He said, quote, there's no evidence that there's not. The revelation on Friday that the Postal Service has warned 46 states that it cannot guarantee the delivery of all ballots in time to be counted under their current deadlines set off a cascade of public panic. Many voters said they were so alarmed that they're reconsidering their plans to cast mail ballots and plan to risk their health to go to the polls in person amid the pandemic to make sure their votes are counted. Joe Biden's campaign announced plans on Sunday to devote a substantial portion of the $280 million that's been reserved in ad time for the fall for education messages designed to walk voters through their options on how to cast ballots safely and securely. Bill McRaven a retired Navy admiral and the former commander of U.S. Special Operations Command, who in that role oversaw the raid that killed Osama bin Laden, has an op-ed in our newspaper today that says, Trump is not just actively working to undermine the Postal Service, but every major U.S. institution. Admiral McRaven writes that Trump has, quote, "...planted the seeds of doubt in the minds of many Americans that our institutions aren't functioning properly, and if the president doesn't trust the intelligence community, law enforcement, the press... The military, the Supreme Court, the medical professionals, election officials, and postal workers, then why should we? And if Americans stop believing in the system of institutions, then what is left but chaos? And who can bring order out of chaos? Only Trump. The Admiral concludes that this is the theme of every autocrat who ever seized power or tried to hold on to it. In other election related news, With the balloon drop scrapped and the cheering crowds banished, Democratic convention planners faced the grim prospect earlier this summer of throwing Biden a party in a pandemic without any apparent celebration. Faced with a complex problem, Democrats decided to go big, aiming for a solution that has more in common with Netflix, Facebook Live, and the cheering fan screens courtside in Orlando's NBA bubble than the C-SPAN-style cattle call typical of past national gatherings. Over four nights, starting today, a behind-the-scenes crew of about 400, with operation centers in New York, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, and Wilmington, Delaware, plans to broadcast to the nation hundreds of live feeds from people's living rooms, national monuments, and stages that have been set up around the country. That includes dozens of speakers who have been mailed video production kits with basic equipment such as microphones, lighting, and advanced routers so that they can produce and transmit their own shots. Other homebound delegates will be dialed in to quick feeds of the live speeches so that their real-time reactions can be broadcast to the country as if they were in the same room as the speakers. In two-hour nightly chunks, only one hour of which the broadcast networks have vowed to air, the live footage will be mixed in real-time with a roughly equal share of pre-recorded performances, mini-documentaries, and speeches. Artists such as Billie Eilish, Prince Royce, and the band formerly known as The Dixie Chicks, now simply The Chicks, have already filmed... Videos of their acts. Voters picked to excite key demographic targets have also cut testimonials. For example, we'll hear from a Florida paramedic who emigrated from Mexico City and a former Trump voter from Pennsylvania. The Tuesday keynote speech, rather than elevating a solo political star the way it did for Barack Obama in 2004, will be given over to a montage of 18 young Democratic politicians across the country, including Stacey Abrams from Georgia. For a typically antiquated and long winded event, The remade, unconventional convention could set a new standard for these quadrennial gatherings, which have evolved since the 1960s from their roots as actual smoke-filled rooms where presidents were picked to suspenseless televised spectacles that even partisans struggled to justify watching. The new circus, to be sure, could also flop, Especially if the broadcasting cable networks have their on air talent talking over the carefully prepared set pieces, and less partisan voters decide to dismiss the spectacle as an overlong propaganda film. In addition to ubiquitous online streaming options, broadcast networks are expected to give the event the 10 p.m. hour for each of the next four nights, while the cable networks say they'll be on the air for hours before and after the events. But how much of the feed is rebroadcast directly remains an open question. The length of a typical speech, about 10 minutes in a normal year, has been brought down to a couple of minutes or less for many speakers. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example, gets 60 seconds. It's a nod to the changing media consumption trends and an attempt to speed up the proceedings to keep the audience. Biden will give a longer address on Thursday night when he accepts the Democratic presidential nomination from his hometown of Wilmington. His running mate, Kamala Harris, will speak from the same location, the Chase Center, on Wednesday after a speech by Obama. I'll be in Wilmington all week to cover the festivities. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts.